Preeti Chipper. And I'm Jen Northington. And this is Tar Valen or Bust, a Wheel of Time podcast. The light burn me, Taverin. Is this a story I want to be in? <laughs> and that is a quote from page 592 of The Dragon Reborn from Fail, pretty on the nose. <laughs> we are rereading the books in advance of the TV show adaptations release, talking about our favorite and not so favorite moments and digging into all things Wheel of Time. And today we actually do have some pre-discussion notes because there was some significant news that came out this month. Um, and Jen, do you want to kick us off with the movie? Indeed. So apparently the rights have been sold to more than just uh, the series as it exists in the books. Uh, there is a screenwriter, Zach Stentz, who is working on a trilogy of prequel films uh, that take place thousands of years before the events of The Wheel of Time. And uh, he apparently has credits from Thor, X-Men First Class, and Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous. Um, I'm looking at a Sci-Fi Wire piece reported by Josh Weiss mm -hmm. that we'll link to in the show notes. But yeah, it's like th a, a three-film trilogy that's in scripting that's going to happen. There's no release de date. Like, it's unrelated to the TV series. Um, we don't really know anything about it except for that yeah. it's been announced. <laughs> I will be very I'll I'll honestly be surprised if this does happen in the way it's being presented right now, especially if the TV show does take off. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see if they continue to keep it separate or if they ch decide that it will make more sense if it's associated. As yeah, I really don't under like, is there going to be like a Wheel of Time expanded universe kind of situation? There's like what's so happening much that happens in the Wheel of Time that it does not need an extended. No, universe. I mean, that is so true. <laughs> like, it doesn't need it. It doesn't. We're fine. No, no. Um, speaking of so much happening in the Wheel of Time. There was an Amazon panel at San Diego Comic-Con and Rafe Judkins, who is the showrunner for the show, was the first up in this panel to kind of talk about some things we might be able to expect because the show is releasing in November, we now know, which is really exciting because that's not very far away. No. time is fake. Um, <laughs> and the thing out of that panel that I was kind of most interested in and I think probably a lot of people were most interested in is what he was saying about adaptation because the wheel of times are super expansive and do have like a million threads of story, which I feel like it is almost impossible to actually put to screen every single thing. If it's not going to be like 30 seasons long, right? Like right. how do you put all that story into it? Um, and so what he was kind of saying is like, I think he was trying to set up this idea of like, it will, maintain the heart of the original and he worked very closely with Robert Jordan's widow who we did not write her name down and I'm so sorry that I it is escaping me her right name now. is Harriet thank you um working very closely with her and Brandon Sanderson on making sure that everything that needed to be in the show will be in the show uh and also he made it a point to say that he mapped out eight seasons. Like he knows the beginning of the story and he knows the end. So it is fully mapped out for him. And that made me a little less nervous than I have been. 
Yeah, I'm still nervous. I'm not gonna lie. I know. No, no, I'm still nervous, just slightly less so. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah, I. So I'm coming back from having been away for a while and like did not see any of this news until Preeti was like, "Oh, guess what else happened?" So uh, I will have to go look up all of the details but um and there's this poster I guess people are like already picking apart right yes so at the end of the panel which uh we'll we'll link to the polygon write-up because I did it (laughs) oh well there you Um, go (laughs) (laughs) uh we'll link to the we'll link to the 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 polygon piece because it has the poster in it but they revealed a poster for the show and it's Moiraine uh as plays by Rosamund Pike and she's standing in a way gate, kind of with her back to towards us, but in profile. Do, and, do we know for sure that this is a way gate or is that just speculation? Okay, he didn't actually say way gate, I think, because what he said, like word for word, when he when he showed us the poster was fans of the books will recognize this as a very iconic moment in the eye of the world. And what I like about it for people who don't know anything about the books, this is a moment when you see our lead, Rosamund Pike, Moiraine, looking back over her shoulders and saying, we don't know what's through here, but come along for the ride. That, to me, feels very waygate hmm. Um, Right? It feels like it. And then in the bottom left-hand corner, I think a lot of people are thinking that these threads are channeling. Right? Like, that's what it's going to look like when people channel? Mm-hmm. Which will be very interesting because I, I think it's just going to be interesting seeing what they do and how they bring all these visuals to life. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. It's it's not very far away. <laughs> like, I feel like we're getting we're going to get a trailer sooner rather than later. Yeah. And hopefully one that actually shows us some action and not just like these little bits and pieces. I know. Of... Not just scenery. Yeah, or like character design, which is cool, but like does not tell yes. me anything. I just want to see. I we're it's like I I would guess within the next like month we're gonna see a trailer. Yeah, I heard it here yeah. first. <laughs> we don't know anything. Breathe, predicts. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right, but for today we are not talking about the Eye of the World. We are talking about the final eight chapters in the Dragon Reborn. Chapters 49 to 56. Woo! Bananas. Bananas. I got halfway through this section and I was like, I like, how is he going to wrap all of this up in two more chapters? It was a ride. There is no doubt. I mean, it's kind of cool when you think about the complete structure of the book where he starts out like slow plodding along and then it gets a little (laughs) bit faster and a little bit faster and a little bit faster until finally these last eight chapters it goes from like pov per chapter to suddenly breaking up pov in chapter it's just really Mm -hmm. interesting pacing wise where now of course i'm looking back i'm being like fine i guess you probably had a design for this book (laughs) and like (laughs) how you're planning to do it Well, I was going to ask you about that. I have a couple of like authory questions for you for this episode, but I was going to ask you, yeah, like I I don't I still don't know that that's a legit choice. Like even if that was a plan, I'm not sure how successful it was as a plan. <laughs> no, I agree with you. I don't know that it worked in terms of readability. Yeah. But it, yeah. it's in 
interesting exercise for an author to do because it it's literally what happens. It's like super slow. And then the last chapter, he like very actively speeds up the action, like to a yeah. breakneck pace by the end of it. And it just, it feels so deliberate in how the pacing works that I can't yeah. imagine it wasn't something he actively chose to do. But as a reader, that first yeah. part, you're like, this sucks. Yeah, it's a slog. It's There's no doubt that it's a slog. And I think also, I mean, it does ask a lot of patience of the reader, which is especially mm-hmm. like a third book in a series. Like, ugh, I don't know if that's a good ask. No, I agree. It felt like a very arthurial like exercise that was maybe more for him to have fun than for mm. us to have fun. <laughs> <laughs> we were like, I want to try this really cool thing and I'm going to do it because I can because the other two books were successful and so yeah. I can do this because <laughs> people have to Ooh. read it if they want to know what happens. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and at this point, but, you know, they want to know will, what happens. People will stop reading though. I think we both know people will absolutely stop reading if they get if it's too much of a slog. Yeah, and I think he did. I think he pushed it as far as he could. Um, Like, I don't think it's gonna... I don't think he would have gone any further, although we'll see. We're three books into 14, right? Well, yeah, and I I was thinking that, too. I was like, oh, I wonder what the opening of four is gonna be like. I don't remember. No, Uh, me neither. I have no idea. So it'll be a discovery. (laughs) that it gets, like, pretty sloggy, Somewhere around seven, eight, or nine, yes, I want to say, that is, right? That's my memory as well, is that seven started to be where I was like, this is not moving. And we were waiting at that point, yes. actively waiting for the next books to come out. Yeah. So it was hard. It was hard to keep the momentum up. But anyway, okay. Well, anyway, so yeah. So as you said, this is like bananas. <laughs> these these chapters are bananas. Um, we start out with Egwene and Nynaeve and Elaine meeting this new thief catcher who mm-hmm. uh, the, you know, the wise woman that they found in Tyr has has told them will help them locate the Black Aja, not knowing that it's the Black Aja, which cracked me up when he's like, they were like trying to impress upon him how important it is that he's careful. And he's like, I'll treat them like they're the Black Aja. I know, right? <laughs> like, oh, buddy. Oh, oh, yeah. Joylin, not Julian, as my brain keeps telling me. Joylin. Is that how Joy- you say it? It's J-U-I-L-I-N. So Joylin, Joylin maybe? I always thought it was Joylin, but that doesn't actually Jewel- sound like anything. Joylin, Joylin. Guess what? It's not in the back. <laughs> so course, you can say of, it however you want. Of course it's not. <laughs> um, Joylin. <laughs> Let's go with Joylin. Why not? <laughs> uh, so we had a lot of description of what he looks like and, and they're chatting. And of course, we still have this like strange rift between Egwene and Nenev yeah. happening um, where Egwene is kind of like recognizing that she she messed up, but isn't willing to verbalize that in any way. <laughs> um, and they do where they have this back and forth and the the wise woman keeps vouching for him um he reiterates like i can do this nenev pulls out like 13 silver marks and is like i need you to find <laughs> these women <laughs> um and they kind of like agree to it right and then yeah. you have Egwene 
having a moment where they're like, okay, let's go into Teleranriode. Because they don't, they still are just like, they don't know what they want, right? Yeah, they don't know what the Black Aja is doing. So they're mm-hmm. still trying to figure out that part of it by snooping around in the dreaming world. But then, of course, that goes like very sideways. Yeah, it does not go well where she gets no. there. I did think there was this like moment that was interesting where she's like starting to learn the rules of mm-hmm. Teleranriod. And one of them is that she she kind of like figures out how to get from place to place. But the divide, the like kind of binary between she has to be able to empty her mind and visualize the space that she wants to go without reaching for Sadar was interesting mm-hmm. to me because it felt mm. very like specific. Like you can do this, but you cannot do this at the same time. Oh, I didn't read it that way. Uh, the way I read it was just that like the way that she approaches trying to get to the place is the same way that she approaches trying to draw on the source, which she knows she's not supposed to do all the time forever because, you know, this whole addiction sort of metaphor setup. But it's Um, interesting because it says uh, she kept sensing the true source, kept aching to embrace it, but she had to fill the emptiness with something else. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Right? Like that, that, but she had to fill it with something else to me spoke to like, you cannot have this. Like, this is the space for it and it cannot hold two things. But we know that she can channel in the world. She can channel, but she can't. It felt very, I just thought it was an interesting way to present this idea of movement in Teleranriod as Mm. not of the same thing, right? Oh, I can channel. But, right. But that's not how you get around. Yeah. Right. Whereas I think the way, which we're speeding ahead a little bit, but the way Rand moves through the world is very much through channeling. Like Mm -hmm. when he's towards Mm -hmm. the end when he's chasing battles and on. So it's just these, Mm -hmm. it was just an interesting setup where it felt very like specifically different. But I don't know why. Sure. <laughs> I, I don't yeah. know why, obviously. Um, but yeah, so she she gets there and she wants to see the, the heart, the heart of Tear. And as she shows up to Kalendor, there's fucking Leandrin. The worst. Uh, the worst. And of course, she like sees Leandrin and immediately wakes up and is like, oh, they know we're here. Yeah, <laughs> like they know, um, <laughs> and it's actually and a really then, great ending to that segment, right? It's yeah, like, exactly. It's like the tension is so strong because she's so like good. they're waiting for us. They know we're here, and then the next, the, like suddenly we got a POV switch to Matt. Yes, and it's like because it's like outside the storm broke over the city, and then we get to Matt where it's raining on this boat that he's on. He and Tom are playing stones and clearly Matt's been like super pissed off because this boat's not going as fast as he wants it to. (laughs) (laughs) And this like poor captain is like, God, I hate you. Get off my boat. Like I'm never doing this again. (laughs) Yep. Yep. And they're so they they're like they're specifically here because Matt overheard this guy in Camelin talking about killing the daughter heir of Andor so that, you know, this forsaken who's like seems to be 
holding something over Morgay's can, can further consolidate his power. So he's looking for this guy, Komar, um, and, and also trying to find the girls so he can protect them from being assassinated. And, but they get there and Tom's like, how the hell are we going to find them? Like, this is a huge city where you're yeah. going to find three girls in this enormous city. And then like Matt does this thing where I was a little bit like, do you not remember when you were trying to find Moiraine and Lan and your friends when you got separated and you guys had to be very careful about the way you spoke about them? Oh, my God. I know. He's just, like, going around giving descriptions and being like, have you seen these people? It's like, oh, my God, be a little more stealthy, right? dude. They're, they're, like, not being very circumspect. They're, like, just saying, like, Nanave and Egwene and Elaine. And you're like, what are you doing? And, what? like, they're searching for this guy and they're giving his description anywhere. Like, he's not going to hear about that if he happens to be in the same place. Like, oh, this random dude was looking for you. Like, this is the least stealthy plan ever. Yeah, like, it seems so just wildly why. And it doesn't ever, <laughs> like, come to anything in that way. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't, Yeah, it, it doesn't, like blow up in his face as you might expect it to because what no other things blow up in his face other things <laughs> blow up in his face but but <laughs> uh but so they are like tom is like exhausted it's raining they went to a bunch of inns they're so tired they can't find anything and uh tom's like all right look if we don't get back we're gonna die like we need to sleep and matt's like fine all right, whatever. Let's just do this one last one and then we can go in. And of course he walks into this last inn and sees that guy. <laughs> Yeah, just such a great <laughs> moment. Like, of, you're like kind of anticipating it just from the setup of like, oh, why would he go into this one last place unless like the narrative was going to give us this moment. But I yeah. did really like this as a character beat because he sees Komar and unlike his brethren from Two Rivers, Matt has a moment of being like, he, even though he's exhausted, Look at it from every side. Half the trouble I get into is from not doing that. I have to think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Look how easy that was. <laughs> yeah, it's a great moment. I agree. Although I will say, I had this was a note I had for you also as an like an author moment. So the like innkeeper they're like oh who's this guy because Komar is sort of making a scene like he's sitting at this yeah. table and he's like who wants to dice with me and like nobody's everybody's like glaring at him and so Matt and Tom are like oh what's up with this dude to the innkeeper which is a very natural actual natural stealthy thing for them to say yeah and so the innkeeper is like oh he's like taking money from everybody and he's clearly a lord because look at his coat and his sword and like what an asshole basically to like you know, take all of the money from these poorer working class people and sit there and taunt us. And then they like get into this whole, well, Tom is like, well, clearly he's using weighted dice. And this is the part I find kind of unbelievable that both Matt and innkeeper are like, weighted dice you say and then tom spends like two pages explaining how weighted dice work and i'm well, like why is why is this necessary like first of all i have a hard time believing matt doesn't know how weighted dice work second i have a hard time believing that this innkeeper needs like an actual demonstration of this like but it's not the what weighted, is this it, for it, it's not the weighted dice that he's describing because they they know about weighted dice it's that the innkeeper thought they were using the same dice so what tom is showing them is the sleight of hand involved yeah. in showing you that like they're not the same dice like that's yeah, I, the, the, right 
Did it need three pages though? No, no. It felt excessive. I think that was just Jordan being like, "This is fun. This is yeah. this is fun. Look how fun it felt." This very is. like, "Hey, did you know this was a thing that you could do? Like, here's how this magic trick works." And you're like, "Oh my god, move on with the story." Already. It might also be a little bit that Tom needs to exist in these scenes and he doesn't have oh. a ton to do he's just yeah. kind of there to like push matt along and get sick mm. right and this gives him a reason for tom to be in the scene because otherwise it could really be anybody because tom yeah. keeps being like yeah men talk to gleeman but we don't see that right right like right. we don't see any of it other than tom being like you have to sleep like what are you doing Right. He, he's just kind of there to like make Matt look a certain way. Yeah. But this scene of having him explain the dice, no one, no other character could do that. I mean, theoretically, I, I in still terms feel of like, like no other character could do that with Matt specifically and have his trust in that moment. Yeah, yeah. I guess I don't know. I was just like, oh my god, move on already from the. Dice. I know. I did it's like enough. this great th- this moment though, where Matt is like, okay, so call like call the cops essentially. Yeah. yeah. And this guy's like, are you joking? Right. <laughs> no, like this. It's and we're seeing this like further kind of which we've seen now, not just in terms of like farmers being separate from city folk but now this like mm. very intensive like class divide that is continuing yeah. that we saw in Ilian and, and I'm I know we're gonna see more of um but I do love Matt's kind of determination when he's like all right fine I'll handle it yeah <laughs> it's great <laughs> but <laughs> like this was and this is only this takes not even like a page not even two full pages yeah, yeah. Right? Where he, like, fine. He's like, fine. He goes over there. And I really, really liked this description because we've seen a lot of Matt's luck, right? Yeah. But this was the one where it's like he felt something actually shifting when he mm-hmm. dices against Komar because he's dicing with weighted dice. And his goal is to be like, look, how many times can you get the exact same thing every single time and have that Right. He's trying to cheating. prove that the guy is cheating. Yeah. And then he just, he just fucking wins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because Matt. <laughs> because Matt. And it's this like wonderful moment where he like, I love when Matt gets a little scary because it's this moment where he wins and Komar's like, what the hell? And Matt, it's like, you lose, Matt said softly. And then he's like, okay, well, if that went one, like, I'm going to push this further. And then he just, like, straight up is like, hey, you're done. If you hurt those women, like, we're, oh, we're you're screwed. And you're like, okay, shit. Right. <laughs> yeah, so then there's this fight, because obviously this guy is like, what the fuck? Uh, but he lets slip that he hasn't even found them yet, so there's that. Um, and then, you know, Matt takes him on with his staff and, like, throws him over a table and the guy breaks his back unluckily i wonder how that happened and uh and then as he's dying he tells matt that he's not the only one hunting them which is really intense like that whole sequence even though you're right it only takes like a page and a half it's really intense it is it's so good though because you get so much out of it you get that weird stuff with matt's luck that has 
that is pushing it forward, like pushing mm-hmm. the like mythology of his luck forward into another space. He's not just lucky. Yeah. He is like his luck is an active participant. Right. Yes. Then you also have that he like kills this guy. Right. Essentially. And then the last thing is you have this like innkeeper being like, you need to get the hell out. You know what? I'm going to tell them it was this red haired dude with gray (laughs) eyes. And you're like, oh, no. (laughs) Because I keep dreaming about him. He he doesn't really exist, though. I'm pretty sure. And you're like, ah. (laughs) And then we get this like awesome part where Tom is talking to Matt and Matt's, Matt's not really talking to him. He's just like talking at Tom about figuring out his luck and Matt is now being positioned as almost the like antithetical pattern, which I really like Mm -hmm. his, he will survive based on not participating in patterns and being random in like going against habit and instinct, just kind of doing whatever you want. Right. And, and not falling into this notion that the books have been telling us, for thousands of pages about being pattern and the importance of the pattern. Mmm. Juicy. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, it is. It's so good. Yeah, so he, but I love that, and I love that he's like, now he's like, I figured it out. Like, this thing that keeps happening to me, now I know how it works. And that's that's an awesome moment. It for is. Sure. It's just nice to see, and we keep talking about this, but it's nice to have a character who is leaning into it and yeah. not just like yeah. angsting over it. He's like, okay, fine. Right. This is a thing that's happening. I'm going to use it. It's a tool. Right. Right. If only Perrin could wake up a little bit more about I that. I know. And like, well, I he get gets that there. it's a he little different. There. He gets there. Yeah. He, but he, anyway. Well, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, all right. So they continue uh, to like go off and like search a little bit more randomly, but there's, it's like raining and Tom is getting sick and, you know, there's all of these other things going on and they haven't found them yet. Um, And he's just like, the chapter ends basically with him being like, well, I guess I just have to keep looking. Yeah. Like he has to, he has to do it because he has to save them. Right. And then we're back to Perrin. It's it's good though. Things are happening. It is good. Things are happening. It's very good. It's very good if if I do think that again Jordan is taking fail and making her so unnecessarily frustrating. I guess I like, did she, not find her frustrating. Oh, no. I was like just stop talking for 4 <laughs> seconds. Stop talking. And she just keeps talking, but never saying anything of substance. Well, I can't blame her for that because nobody will fucking tell her anything. Like, Perrin is taciturn at best. Moiraine is cryptic and, like, is does not, like, he's, Robert Jordan has, like, built this whole antipathy between them for, again, no apparent reason. And, I mean, also, though, she's not going to tell some random hunter of the horn, like, what her master right. plan is. So, and, like, right. she so, didn't like, have to come. No, but she's here and she's curious. And, like, this is, she, like, I, I don't think her questions are unfair. And I, I like, I guess I can see... It's not that it's unfair. It's that it's not just questions. It's her like rushing ahead and speaking over and making assumptions. And that's where I'm just like, just pull it back, man. 
just pull it back. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Oh, it's driving me bananas. I love it. Like, I just love that that's who she is. Like, she is, like, she's cut, she's brash. She's pushy. Like, she's not going to settle for nobody telling her things. And if you're not going to tell her, she's going to keep asking. Like, I, I don't know. I'm into it. I'm into it, I guess. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> it's it doesn't just, bother it's me. Things like Moiraine being like, stay close to the inn, and Fail is like, oh, stay close to the inn. Like, <laughs> what? You, what? What? <laughs> okay, sorry. That's I'll 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 uh, leave my fine. complaints at the door for the most part. No, it's fine. You can complain. <laughs> I don't mind. It's fine. People uh, like it when we disagree, according <laughs> to the comments. So, <laughs> but anyway, so they are in tier now too. Uh, like Perrin, Moiraine, Lan, and Fail are here in tier. Everybody, everybody is in tier. Like yeah, everybody. which is is really nice and and. Uh, a, again a pacing kind of way because you're just waiting for everybody to like get together and explode essentially and you know there's yeah. not a lot of time left for it to happen in and mm-hmm. you know something big is coming which is nice but you have Perrin yeah. who's at this end and Perrin's portions are very like fail centric um, like they get there we find out that like of course as usual Moiraine is like don't like I don't want anyone to know who I am Right. And Fail immediately is like, I said die. And Lan's like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> shut up. <laughs> Which is what I write well, in the margins in every chapter. <laughs> about everyone, not just Fail. Basically about everyone except Matt. <laughs> oh, well, fair enough. Fair enough. You have a favorite. There's no doubt. I, I will say I really love this chapter because it does not advance the plot very much. Like no, it, it is very much a character piece because mm-hmm. what happens is the inn that Lan picks for them is between like a weaver's shop and a blacksmithy. And parent they've been told to stay close to the inn while Moiraine and Lan like go figure out what the hell is going on. And so Perrin, like, wanders over to the blacksmiths and, like, ends up getting put to work. And I thought it was just this beautiful moment of, like, this is what he's good at. This is what he knows. Like, he's such a fish out of water. Like, he's so unmoored from where he was when the Eye of the World started. And, like... What a beautiful moment of like peace and ease for him. Like, oh my God, I was just like, this is this is the parent I love. Like, this is why he's one of my favorite characters because he is this just like very thoughtful and like craftsman like person who has been shoved into this very violent, quick, intense, like conflicting situation that he doesn't is really, he's really struggling to figure out how to handle. And like, he's conflicted about his ability to kill and this whole wolf brother thing. And like, he doesn't know what he's doing, but when he holds, you know, the tools of his trade, he does know what he's doing. And I just, I just love it. I just have a lot of feelings about it. (laughs) No, it's really nice. It's a, I agree with you. I think it's one of my favorite parent moments in what we've read so far because it is this great character moment of being like oh this is when he can control what he can control this is the headspace he can be in and this is the person he can be when he's not forced into a space that he's not comfortable in because of that lack of control like he has complete and utter control over all of these tools and is building a thing that he knows how to build right 
And yeah. like you said, like he is not only like comfortable there, he excels there and he mm-hmm. does really well and he does really well without hurting anyone and without yeah. like it's where all those pieces of him that make him uncomfortable are an asset. His size and his mm-hmm. steadiness and his quietness, like they all work to his favor in this space. And you can see it in every aspect of this this excerpt. Um, yeah. And also working with someone who is just there to recognize his skill. Like that dude doesn't care mm-hmm. what Perrin's story is as long as he does good work. Right. Yeah. And there oh, is I love this it. great like setup, of course, where he's like, do you want to be an apprentice? And, and Perrin's like, no, like I can't. I can't do that right now but if you're open to it I would love to just come here and work a few days um and then he hand the guy the blacksmith gives Perrin the hammer and so you have of course the like hammer versus the axe like what is he gonna do (laughs) yeah yep it's so good so good so yeah so then Moiraine comes back and like calls a family meeting basically um (laughs) And it's like, so by the way, more Forsaken. <laughs> yeah, we have uh, Belal, who is the High Lord Saman of Tyr. And I love this moment. We get another moment of Loyal being like, I could I could go back to the steady. I yeah. could just get married and it'll be fine. And Moiraine's yeah. like, you know what? Fine. If you want to go, go. <laughs> So and Loyal's Loyal like, well, my like, book. I said to work on my book, though. <laughs> it's very good. It's it's it very is. good because it was kind of like this moment of like, okay, Loyal needs a character building moment. So we're not yeah. kind of seeing the same loop of reaction every time. And I think Jordan like figured out a really good way to handle that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, and then it's so, so oh, it it is really good. And of course, like... <laughs> Fail is like, but I can't go. Right. <laughs> I'm like, nope. Nope. You're stuck. Sorry. But then it's, of course, this like, she's like blames Perrin for it, which is, ugh. Well, everybody, it, like, as we keep seeing over and over again, everybody is displacing blame all over the place. Yes. It is a constant all theme. over the place. <sighs> yes. So, but anyway, so Moiraine, like, gets uh, loyal to tell her what the, oh, you know, about Belal, which, which is, I like, loved. actually some useful stuff. Yeah, it's really it good. Is. It was really nice because everyone was, like, loyal. And, like, yeah, loyal right. knows a lot of stuff. Well, this is this was where I get irritated, though, right? Why is that? With, oh, because Fael is like, why are you asking him? He doesn't know anything. Yes, <laughs> it's so rude and unnecessary. <laughs> Loyal is <care>. awesome. <laughs> Loyal is yeah. awesome, and you need to keep your mouth shut. <laughs> Fail. <laughs> so. Yeah, but then, so I love that, I love that Moiraine is asking for information, and then in the ensuing discussion about what's going to happen next, Perrin is, like, offering this thought about the Aiel, because Lan is, like, oh, also, side note, there are, like, Aiel all over the place, like, they're on the rooftops, I don't know what they're doing, and, like, I've only seen three, but that means there's probably a ton of them, 
And Perrin has this thought about like, you know, something that he learned earlier from the Aiel when they ran into them. And like, you know, there's this prophecy and blah, blah, blah. And Moiraine's like, I didn't know that. That is helpful information. And you're like, finally, finally, she's like, she's not just, you know, oppositional to him for no reason (laughs) yeah like they're actually working together like they should have been this whole time I mean yeah this whole sequence is great because she gets a lot of information she didn't have like we find out she finds out about the isle and the prophecy and what we find out is that Bilal another name for Bilal is Netweaver Mm -hmm. um and that he is super envious of Luz Theron like his his whole thing is just be he is a very covetous person and so those are the two things that we know leading into this and about Bilal the Netweaver thing I thought was very interesting in terms of yeah how all these pieces of the pattern are pulling together and then you have these like people who are either going to burn it down Rand Mm -hmm. or like go against it Matt like it's it's there's like layers of metaphor happening here that I it's like they're all different threads and I don't <laughs> I, it's like trying to see how they're like building but also interweaving is is fascinating yeah yeah agree agree and then Moiraine and Lan are kind of like okay the two of us are gonna go in of course Moiraine is like I'm gonna go in and Lan's like we are gonna go in <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and Moraine's like, okay, yeah, we are gonna go in. Um and so they kind of go off and are like, we're gonna do that. You guys just need to stay safe. And Perrin's like, I love his last line, like, I'm gonna have something to eat and then I'm going to think about a hammer. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. It's so Perrin. So then the next chapter. We go back to Nynaeve, who is, like, out around doing errands and thinks she sees Rand, but then is like, no, that can't possibly be Rand. And then we know, of course, it is. Um, And she's shopping and she's, like, observe. You get a lot of, like, the atmosphere of Tyr right now. Like, Mm -hmm. the prices are weird and, like, everybody seems really resigned and sort of despondent. And she doesn't understand why, you know, people are just don't seem to care about anything. Um, and she's, of course, also mad at Moiraine still and, like, mad about it. She's just mad about everything, which is, yeah. you know, sort of her MO. Yeah. Like, she, yeah, and, like, aggressively furious about everything. <laughs> yes. Yeah, she's so mad. Well, I did. And then. Like, oh, go ahead. No, no, no. So she's, like, we know now that everybody is having bad dreams. Yeah. Like, aggressively so, which I think we can kind of guess why that's happening, because a certain (laughs) someone is probably in tear. Mm -hmm. Um, I did like that she has this anger towards all of them and Moiraine. Like, if she had never come to Iman's field, like, I could have taught Egwene enough. And Rand, I I could have done something. And then the text finally recognizes that it's like she knows that's not true. Like, mm-hmm. she knows it's not true, which at least gives us, like, that makes me understand the anger more, right? She's not actually mad at Moiraine. She's mad at the fact that she knows she couldn't avoid this, and Moiraine had to have come to Iman's field. Yeah, 
And there's the like that lack of control, right? Yes. It always goes back to the lack of control makes her furious. And yeah. so Moiraine is just the easiest target for that anger. And and it's just nice that the text finally kind of made that explicit instead of just being like, oh my God, it's yeah. not her fault. Right. There's also that moment of awareness about this stupid spat with Egwene yes. as well. Uh, so, I mean, I still don't, like, even if Robert Jordan is like, oh, I guess I should explain this, I still don't, like, 100% buy it. But, no, like, okay, I agree. Fine. I agree. Yeah. Um, uh, so then, of course, we find out she, like, gets back after buying this meat. And surprise! Yeah, this this is super stressful because so Joylin Sander comes and finds her and is like, oh, by the way, I found them. And we like all ne- we need to go back to Mother Gwenna's and like talk about this. Mm-hmm. So she follows him and he literally leads her into a trap. Yep. Leandrin is there. They've oh. like captured everybody else. They have Mother Gwenna like attached to a chair and like can't do anything. And they cut her off from the source. And like it's just this really intense terrible thing and Joylin Sanders is just like standing there sort of you know it's clear that he's been magically coerced I think Mm -hmm. but it's very hard to read it's super hard to read like Egwene is like unconscious because of course she went nuts when she was cornered because of her PTSD over the Shanshin yeah and it's just like oh man it's so this is this was such a rough section to read it was. It's hard to read, especially when we've seen these girls been in now that's been three times. Yeah. That that they've been taken. Mm-hmm. Which I was a little frustrated by because you're like, okay, I you don't have to keep putting the women in these situations. Yeah. Like Egwene Yeah, it is, is a little bit like Wonder Woman getting tied up again. Right, yeah. Like Egwene's on number four now between this and the white cloaks. Yeah. And you're like, okay, like, come on. Come on, man. Um, But so they get taken by the Black Aja. And at least, of course, they are continue. They, you know, this is the third or fourth time or whatever, but they do consistently keep their wits about them, which I appreciate. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, there's this great sequence where they're like trying to confuse the Nynaeve and Elaine are trying to like mislead them as to what they know and what they're doing and you know what reinforcements they might have but then of course Leandrin is like well we've got Murdral 13 of them coming which is like Mm -hmm. the implication is and we're gonna turn you to the dark side which is horrifying uh so that's how that chapter closes out I do think this is this section is the most explicit we've seen and aggressive the way we've seen the power described and the Mm. way they use it like I know we've had notions of like Egwene noticing how the things weave together, like whatever it is, but this is like really aggressive in the way that they talk about the different aspects of the power and how they are used. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. And we see more of it later, too. Um, It's like Mm -hmm. a recurring theme at this point that every, you know, it's interesting. Actually, I didn't think about this until just now, but it a little bit is a parallel to Matt figuring out how his luck works. Like everybody's starting to figure out how things work. It's interesting, though, because it's Matt actively figures it out. Like he he analyzes it and, and he figures it out. Right. Rand a little later on because I thought Rand was very 
clearly paralleling Egwene, both of them have moments where they instinctively react and do something. Mm. And Matt's Rand is like, I don't know how I did it, but I'm just going to keep doing it. And Egwene is like, I think I know how I did it and I think I could do it again. But right. both of them are in that moment of like using the power instinctively and then taking advantage of that. Mm. Again, sorry, bouncing around a little bit, but it was no, it was yeah, just like, I, but we and we get that with Perrin too. Actually, he finally embraces yeah. a power that he has, and like uh, he is moving instinctively, he's not mm-hmm. moving analytically. So no. yeah, you do have everybody is approaching it from a slightly different angle, which is it's really smart and interesting character wise. Mm-hmm. In uh, like, there are so many good character moments in this like intensive action, right? Yeah. And yeah, oh, it's, it's, it makes the beginning all the more frustrating when the beginning doesn't have anything. Well, I was just going to say, this is sort of where Jordan shines. It's like yeah. giving us these character moments and this kind of pacing that he's like so good at. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so it just it makes it it's like a very stark comparison to the sloggier chapters. Yeah. Uh, then we are back with Matt and Tom and they are going to see the wise woman because Tom's <laughs> cough is not going away. Uh, And of course, they end up at the wise woman and find out that Egwene and Inave and Elaine happened to be there three hours earlier. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, I think it's so funny because I do think Jordan has a lot of fun writing Matt in these sequences because he is so reluctantly good. Yes. (laughs) Like... (laughs) it's like i'll keep that oath old woman if only you tell me where they bloody are (laughs) and so she she tells him and he's kind of like okay he doesn't really understand what's happening because he doesn't know about the black aja so his instinct is like oh the i said i picked them up it should be fine she's like no 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 um and then he has this like flirty moment with her because he's still (laughs) mad (laughs) <laughs> yeah there there was definitely some deliberate comedic effect like in the whole time this is happening she's also like pouring like gross tasting herbal remedies yeah. down Tom's throat and like keep bodily keeping him in a chair even though he's like <laughs> I'm not gonna drink that and she's like yes you are I'm not gonna stay here yes you are like it's a very deliberate like breaking up of these like really tense horrifying sequences uh that have come before with like Mm -hmm. and now for some like plucky comic relief but also this is an important plot moment because matt again figures out like oh my god i even saw this place the first night we were here but like i at that point he didn't know that that he should be doing random things but he's like if only i had known um but now he has the information that he needs to go and find them yeah and he leaves matt or he leaves Tom behind, much to Tom's consternation, who is not <laughs> very happy about it. Um, but this is what I mean about Tom. I feel like Jordan was like, Tom needs to be there for X, Y, and Z reasons. Like, he wouldn't have a reason to go to the wise woman if Tom wasn't getting yeah. sick. But Tom doesn't need to be there for the action. Like, right, right. As a character, he doesn't really have a reason to exist outside of Matt's story right now. When we know Tom has his own very, like, lived-in narrative within the books, it's just right, right. now... He only needs to exist for this. And yeah, so Matt's yeah, that's like, fair. Peace. But he says, <laughs> I've enjoyed knowing you. I know. It's such a weird <laughs> moment. Like, he's like, wait, why did I say that? Tom's not going <laughs> to die. That woman's going to keep him alive. But who's going to keep me alive? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Matt. 
And then, of course, it's like just constantly about the dice tumbling in his head, which we love. Um, yes. And then we're back to Perrin. <laughs> yeah, who is uh, talking with Fail, who at this point he's still refusing to call by the name that she prefers, which is extremely annoying. I do think, um, but they gave us the reason for it now, right? It's less about her and more about him being like, she's not the Falcon. Yeah, he's still freaked out about this Min, like, vision that she told him about the Hawk and the Falcon. He's very freaked out. And it is more about him rejecting the idea that he is fated to do mm-hmm. anything that, and that this person is a part of it. Then it is, like, her own preferences. But it's still annoying. Still, for the record, still annoying. <laughs> um, but Moiraine and Land come back and they're like, well, we found out that Rand is here. <gasps> and uh, also, like... There's all this stuff going on and like we this is our plan like you you all are going to go to Tarvalin and like be safe then we're going to like you know try to protect Rand and figure out like how he can help you know help him claim the sword and then Fael is like no I'm going to like do this thing and she rushes into uh. this room that they're headed to and falls into a trap that is for Moiraine yep. right which There's like this tiny again, hedgehog, which we know from Egwene and Nynaeve and Elaine is one of the things that the Black Aja has stolen. Yep. And so she falls into this like coma sleep situation. And Moiraine's like, oh my God, shut up and let me think. <laughs> <laughs> but she does have this moment. She's like a hedgehog. Like, why does that hedgehog make me think of spirit? And mm. like, again, we're getting more of these like outright conversations around channeling and what these different things could do mm-hmm. um and she finds out that the innkeeper let two people into her rooms and she's like i'm gonna kill you you better not say anything about this i told yeah. you not to let anyone in but like okay fine so they right. know that Bilal knows that moiraine is there which is not great news but what's good and news, that they they know that the Black Aja is involved and that the Black Aja is involved. Um, but what's good news is that fail fail got the trap and not Moiraine, and they don't right. know that. Hopefully, right. All that they know is that the trap has been triggered, so now they probably think Moiraine is out of the action, mm-hmm. which is good for her, bad for Fayul. Yes, and so we get a little bit of a discussion on like what the Terangriel is, which is. Mm-hmm. The talent called dreaming is a thing of spirit. It is not a thing I've studied. My talents lie in other ways. I believe that Zarina has been trapped inside a dream, perhaps even the world of dreams. All that is her is inside the dream. So, like, basically they took her soul and she's like, the longer she's in this dream, the more likely it is her body will fail. So, yeah, we got, like, that's that. And Perrin's like, you should go to Tarvalin. And Baron's like, no, no, no. Or Moiraine says, you should go to Tarvalin. And Baron's like, no, 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 no. I have to save her. Yes. Yeah. And I love this moment where he's like, well, if it's like the wolf dreams, I might actually be able to do something yeah. about this. And she's like, well, I don't know. And I have other shit to do. So, so bye. Deal with it. <laughs> and then we get this great moment with Loyal where Loyal gets yeah. really mad. And I love it. I know. I love Loyal. Loyal can do no yeah. wrong in my eyes. I agree. He is the MVP always and forever. Uh, and like, I love this moment where Perrin is like remembering these old stories that claims the Ohir were implacable enemies because like mm-hmm. Loyal is like, yeah, like you said, like he gets so angry and he's like, I will protect because Perrin's like, I have to go in there 
So I'm going to be helpless. Like, can you protect us? And Loyal's like, oh, yeah, I got you. <laughs> it's so good. Like, uh, uh, handled. And you kind of remember it's like, even though he's like this bookish dork, he's also probably pretty scary when he yeah. like, if you attack his friends. Yeah. Yeah. So Perrin like throws himself into the trap uh, and we get he like is in there with like the hammer and the blacksmith vest. And, you know, like so clearly his self image is still in conflict. Mm -hmm. Um, But Hopper shows up and is like, what the hell are you doing? (laughs) Like, I told you not to come. Right. I told you not to come. And and parents like, well, we got to go find this falcon and free her. And Hopper's like, all right, here we go. Well, he <laughs> says you'll you shouldn't be here this strongly. Like yeah. parent is very much in this dream. And he's like, you'll die if you stay mm-hmm. here. And parent is like, I don't care if I don't free the falcon. So like clearly yeah. those emotions are running pretty high. And parent yep. got, parent got some feelings. He's got some feelings. He's got some feelings. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I love I love that pairing for the record. Love I know it. it's very good. Um, all right, we're back with Matt, who is like scoping out the Stone of Tear. <laughs> this section is just bananas. Can we just talk for a second about how like it's like a party on the roof? Yes, all of it's very funny because <laughs> it's also not a big big like wall that he's walking along they keep being like it's pretty small it's pretty thin it's just like this walkway that's very high up and very dangerous right and like matt is like actively trying to talk himself into being okay with this terrible plan yes he's like i'm terrified it like this is it's not that bad it is that bad oh my god what am i doing no it's gonna be fine right like i could do this he's like oh i can't do this and he's like he's like scoping everything out he's got all these fireworks in his coat he's got like some kind of wacky tin box with him and you're like what are you doing matt and then all of a sudden he's been tackled by the Aeol, who are like, what the fuck are you up to? This is our territory. And well, he's like, who the hell are you? Well, before the Isle show up, though, he sees, he's like, I could probably climb the stone. And oh, then yeah, he right. sees someone climbing the stone. <laughs> and he's like, what? <laughs> what is that guy doing? What is that guy doing? <laughs> and then he's like, man, I better get kissed by everybody. <laughs> if so I ridiculous. do this. And then there's this moment where he's like, okay, we're going to do it. It's fine. And then the aisle show up. Yeah. And so they're like, what are, who are you and what are you doing here? And then Jules and Sanders is like, who are you and what are I know, you doing? It's so good. Here? And Matt's whole thing is great in this. Cause he's like, all right, I have to be cool. If they know I'm not cool, I'm going to lose any, like any, inch of like you know street cred right it's street cred and like advantage yeah so like any any small advantage he has so he keeps being like yes i'm very cool this is all cool everything's fine (laughs) everything's fine there's like a spear against his throat and he's still like totally fine like there's this line where he like puts two fingers up and just slowly pushes the spear away (laughs) and just trying to like trying to have a conversation with this aisle i did like the like (laughs) one of the women is like you dance well for one cup by surprise perhaps one day I will have time to dance with you properly and he's like hey if she wants to dance they can't be trying to kill me (laughs) it is this like very weird and funny tense moment yeah which is good amazing they're not gonna kill him like you never kind of feel like they're gonna kill him based on the tone but (laughs) they are just like like I did like Matt kind of being like well maybe we could go together right I don't know right 
So the idol are like, we have things to do. As long as you're not going to, like, rat us out, you can, you do whatever you want. Like, we're going to head out. And he's like, okay, bye. Um, And then Matt has, like, said something about how he's looking for women. And Joylin is like, did there happen to be three of them? Like, because I kind of, like, did this thing that I don't feel great about, and I don't really know why I don't feel great about it, but I don't, and, like, I don't even really know why I'm here, except that I feel like I need to do something, and, like, do you want to, like, maybe do this thing together? (laughs) This part was also very funny, because they have this whole plan. Like, Matt... Like, Matt is gonna go use his fireworks, shove it into this, like, arrow slit in the, the tower or whatever... Use it as a distraction so that he and Joylin can go through another gate that Joylin knows that he, like, where Matt's going to pretend to be a prisoner. This whole thing. Yeah, they have a whole, they have a whole uh, plan. pretty good plan. Yeah. It's like a good plan. It's not bad. But then <laughs> Matt <laughs> does the first part. He right. gets the fireworks. He, like, we find out it's, like, hot coal that he's been keeping in that little tin box. He, like, lights the fireworks. There's a massive explosion. And then he <laughs> happens to see that the hole that ended up happening was, like, the perfect size for a man. <laughs> so he's like, maybe I'll just go in this way. Even though he literally knows that the reason he set off this explosion is that so people will run towards it. But, like, who cares? I, it's a person size hole, so now I'm going to go through it. It was just <laughs> so weird writing-wise. I was like, I don't yeah. Are we just supposed to see this is him being disruptive for to the pattern, like being random? I think so. I think this is like him subconsciously, because I don't think he's actively doing it in yeah. this moment. But he's like, so he's following this instinct to go against the plan because that's how his luck works. And I don't think he's conscious of it in this moment, but that's obviously (laughs) what happens. So Joylin follows him in because he's like, what the fuck are you doing? Which is good because of course, all of these guards have run straight for the explosion. (laughs) And now Matt has to fight them all. And there's like lords with swords and like, it's a whole situation. It's It's very funny. It's really funny. And then they're just like, okay, we have to go. We have to stand is like freaking out he's like they're gonna kill us like what am i doing but okay we have to go and then we get this like short moment with rand Mm -hmm. who we have not been with for a long long time and it's great and building where he's just like it's gonna i'm finishing it and then he's laughing and running through the halls of tears (laughs) it's very unsettling it's extremely manic (laughs) yeah it's not it's not good and then we're back with Egwene, denave and elaine in this cell Egwene is woken up they're all being shielded from the source but Egwene has like an excellent uh, idea because she's been sleeping and she dreamed of Rand. And she's like, I think Rand is here. We're probably the bait for Rand. But they didn't take my ring. They didn't take mm-hmm. my Terangriel. So I think I can get back to, to Teleranriod and I think I can channel there. Because they're all cut off from the source. Mm-hmm. So like this is basically they're they're not gonna be able to get out any other way. Somebody's guarding them, like they're screwed. But yeah, if she can is... go back into the dream, maybe she can figure something out. Genius plan. Very Genius smart. Plan. It's a very, very much a Hail Mary. But yeah. I did like this moment. They're like, what if you know the Nanae is like the last time they saw you in the dream? Like, what if they're there again? And Nanae was like, I hope they are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
I have some words for them. Mm -hmm. I have some powers for them. Yeah. So she goes into the dream and she goes to Kalendor, which is like the place she knows to go. And then she does run into one of the Black Aja, but she like wins the battle. Basically, she figures out how to cut her off from the source and like you know, ties her up basically in Teleran Riyadh. And this woman, Joya, was the one who was the most violent mm -hmm. during the capture. And I do also, again, a great character moment in the midst of a ton of action. She starts like beating this woman with her own powers yeah. and like as she's cut off from the source and like is basically, you know, getting vengeance for what happened to her. And she's like, you know what? I'm not like you and I don't need to do this. So like she stops this flow that she had started to beat Joya Byer with and is like, you can stay there. I'm going to go do me. And it's such like a glorious moment of self-awareness and like ownership over like, you know what? I'm better than these mm -hmm. people who keep keep torturing me, but I'm not going to stoop to their level. But it's still Egwene, right? Because she says yeah. like, um, I do not like it. I'm going to have to learn to cut throats instead. I, <laughs> I was like, that's it's awesome. such a good moment. I was that's like, oh, awesome. that line. That's a keeper. That's so good. Yeah. Uh, then we get a short bit. Like we said, the, the POVs are coming like fast and furious now. Yeah. Um, and so we get a short POV with Perrin where they find file or fail. They find fail. She's like locked up. But as she, as he goes to like break the chains, she disappears. Mm -hmm. And it's that she, so we, I think we have to assume that he's going to have to continue to keep finding her yeah. um, as they're going. So Hopper and Perrin go off again to try to find Fail again. And then we're back with I, Matt. No, sorry. And I love, it's okay. I was just going to say, I love that in this section, we're getting the action in two different planes of existence, yes. right? Like yes. Egwene and, and Perrin are both running around in the world of dreams. Matt is in the physical space. Right. And like, we don't know where Rand, I mean, Rand is in the physical space at the moment, but like, it's, just, I love that, like, we have action going on on multiple levels. Yeah. It's, it's wild. It's so good because you're just trying to keep track of everything. And, and we, we know there are interactions between the dream world and the real world, but we mm -hmm. don't know how they interact. So we don't know what the impact is going to be on both sets of actions on the other space. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's really good. Um, so we're back with Matt and he can hear more battling happening and he's assuming it's the Isle and the defenders of the stone. Um, and then he has a few, like, <laughs> I do like this, like, he's fighting Tarian lords now. Mm -hmm. And there's this lord who's, like, not even deigning to speak to him until he finally is, like, just, like, threatening him. And that's, like, I don't think I'd like that. <laughs> No thanks. And then in that moment, he like beats him on the head or like he goes to beat him on the head and then tricks him and actually sweeps him like his legs out from under him. And then there's a nice little second where it's like Matt's like the stories don't tell you that being a hero is so hard. Yeah. And Sandar, who has been with him the whole time, has this like realization because the, the class difference in Terra is such that the lower classes really believe that the lords can do anything they want and have a right mm. to do anything they want. And so mm -hmm. Sandar is like, that lord doesn't look that mighty lying there. He doesn't look so much greater than me, which is awesome. Yeah. And then yeah. Matt goes to ask Sandar a question and swings his staff up, but in the <laughs> process, beans some dude behind him on the head. <laughs> yeah. And happens to like get like just completely incapacitated. <laughs> and Sandar's like, oh my God. 
That's like, I'm lucky. What can I say? What can I say? I'm lucky. I'm not a hero, but I'm lucky. (laughs) Yeah, it's ridiculous. So then we dive into Rand's perspective in chapter 55. And this is the most Rand we've gotten in a while. Yes, it's a lot Um, of Rand. But it's mostly action. Yeah. Yeah. So he's like found Kalendor. And, of course, Belal is there. And Rand doesn't know who he is. Mm-hmm. But he's this guy who's, like, <laughs> talking to him about, like, Luz Theron and, like, all this stuff. He's like, you don't remember? Like, we were no. brothers in arms. Rand like, this is, and that. And Rand Rand's just like, like, who like, the fuck are you? Mariah Carey meme. It's like, yes. I don't know her. <laughs> I don't know her. And if you can tell it pisses Belal off oh, so yeah. much. He's so mad about it. He's like, ugh. Like, how can you not know me? And also, clearly, the whole time, he's trying to get Rand to take Kalendor. Yeah. Because he, like, he can't take it, but he thinks he can take it from Rand yeah. once it's been claimed. And so, like, that's his whole, and he's, like, he's, like, fighting him, and he's a swords master, and Rand is struggling to, you know, keep him off. But, like, the whole time, he's, Rand can tell he keeps being, like, manipulated and shoved towards the sword, and he's not, it's, like, a good Rand moment. Like, he's not falling for it. Yeah, and like Bilal keeps calling him country man, which I thought was very yes. funny and interesting. Yeah. He's like yeah. country man. Cause they are, but he, Rand also knows he's not as good a swordsman. So yeah. he is starting to worry um, for a second. And then like Bilal keeps being like, take it, take it, take it until mm-hmm. who should arrive? But my rain. My rain to the rescue who then she just like straight up yes. blows him up with bail fire like there's not even a fight she nope. just does it it was awesome it was awesome because Rand is like fighting the whole time and Moiraine comes in and is like uh-uh <laughs> I'm just gonna incinerate this dude <laughs> it's fine it's except so for good. then of course Balsamon is there like good god yeah so Balsamon shows up and Rand has like he it's a great like just in the text because Moiraine it's like classic Moiraine she's like he was right about one thing Moiraine said as coolly serene as if she were standing in a meadow which is classic Moiraine and she's like you Mm -hmm. can take the sword like quietly and then all of a sudden black lightning takes her lifts her up and throws her to the side as she screams and you're like what is happening (laughs) and then Balsamon shows up again and they fight right Again. And they fight. So Rand does claim the sword to save himself yes. from Balsamon. And now suddenly, right, because Kalendor is a, an angry owl of yes. some kind. I can't remember if it's like Sa or Tear or whatever, but it's like a very powerful angry owl. And so suddenly he has like this huge amount of channeling ability. And so then they're fighting and Balsamon like sort of runs away. Yeah. He he straight up runs away. Yeah. Uh, because so Rand has calendar, which is a Sa Angriel. I just tracked that, okay, that Bilal says he that they made together, which is wild. Mm, um, but so Balsamon runs off, and Rand, like the way they describe it, is like a twisting as if Balsamon had in some way bent what was. And so Rand figures out how to do it, and he twists reality to make a door to somewhere else. And then he says, I am the hunter now, and he's. Yeah. <laughs> goes after him and you're like ah <laughs> and then we're back with Egwene right who's uh like you know 
found the the door where everything is you know locked and barred um and she's she's using her the you know the source in the dream world to unlock these gates that lead her into the dungeon um and then it's this is a great moment too she so she gets to where she's pretty sure like they're all locked up and she sees this flickering in and out of Amiko who they know was guarding the cell and it's apparent that like Amiko is like she's like nodding off yeah. uh, on guard duty and so Egwene has to wait and time it perfectly yes. for a moment when Amiko is like just asleep enough that Egwene can affect her in the dream world like what amazing it's so good it's very very cool um and so she wakes up after she binds Amiko um but she wakes up and they're still shielded yeah. So they don't they don't know what's happening here. Like she bound her but something it, it, the shield's a little different. Like they can feel it being a little different. And so Egwene's like, "No, send me back in. Like put me back in, coach. I got this." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because they don't know what else to do. It's like they're still they still don't have enough power to do what they need to do. Mhm. Um, and then we go right <laughs> back to Matt. You like don't even get to see what's going to go on there. Nope. There's now it's Matt and Sandar running through uh, the hall, and they're right outside. We know, we know, they don't know, but they're in the dungeons, and they come across this woman who's like, you know, can't move, and, and she's like, help me, help me, yeah. Yeah, and she's pretty. So Matt is like, "Oh, I guess I should help her." And Sandra's like, "What is wrong?" No, with open you? the door, you stupid. <laughs> oh, Lord. So, so, so they take the key off of her uh, and open the door. And who do they find? But Nynaeve and Egwene and Elaine, who are like not grateful to them. No, this is really. This is where I get frustrated because I'm like, why yeah. do you have to create this weird? dynamic where yeah like Nene's like what are you doing here and that's like I came to rescue you like yeah you can tell me why you look the way you do later I will carry Egwene we need to get out of here and Nene like like what are you Captain America like mind your language what yeah, it's so snippy. Like I, it's such an unnecessary like ugh women ugh men like I just yeah I, it's, it's like, like I feel like it's it's Jordan leaning into this ridiculous gender binary like yes. stereotyping in a way that just is so it's so unnecessary. It's so unnecessary. It really is. And like, why would they not be just overjoyed to see someone they know who they can have on their side? Yes. And like who like has like helped them move for like they now that they don't have like Egwene doesn't have to try to figure anything out like their problem has literally been solved yes. and they, like it doesn't feel correct for the characters to be like no Ugh, Matt what are you even doing here? like it's like, just it's so yeah. it's not funny it's just no. annoying and so no. anyways they like get rid of uh the shields they they deal with what's her face mm -hmm. um Matt has a moment it's like she was just sitting there and it's like shut up Matt like that I agree with them when they're like you don't know what you're talking about like right until you understand keep your opinions to yourself right but then he just was like he started he starts like grinning at them yeah. <laughs> which is silly where I I'm on his side here right he's like what I understand is that I got you out of something you couldn't get yourselves out of and you all have as much gratitude as a bloody Terran fairy man with a toothache <laughs> and then Nene was like, okay, fine, you're right. 
<laughs> like, fine. But we can't yeah. leave. But it's like this moment felt a little more okay to me where yeah. he like explodes at them and they're like, okay, fine, fine. But like, we should go. And when Egoyan and Elaine like pat his cheek when yeah. they walk by, <laughs> that did make me laugh really hard. Yeah, it's like a little touch of it here and there is fine. Yeah, but like when he leans so hard on it in a, such a weird way, it's so unnecessary. Yeah, like he could have gotten to the same scene by them being just kind of overwhelmed and yes. not being able to thank him by being like, "We have to deal with this. We're shielded." Da da da, and not really right, paying right. attention to him instead yeah. of being like, "Uh, okay, we don't care that you rescued us." Right. 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 Yeah. There was another way to do it, for yeah. sure. And so he's um, like, he's like, well, I'm leaving, which of course he's not, but he's doing that no. thing. He's like, well, if you guys want to go, fine, but I'm leaving. And then he follows them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I didn't rescue them just to let them die. Ugh. So, yeah. Uh, and then we're back to Perrin, who is like, keeps finding Fail and rescuing her, but then she keeps disappearing over and over again. And uh, Hopper is like, this is this is not good. Like you are your and Perrin feels that he's getting weaker. Um, but they finally find these doors uh, that's like covered in tiny falcons. And so like, this has got to be it. This has got to be it. Um, and he he does he goes in and there are all of these birds like falcons who like dive at him and attack him. Um, but there's one in the middle in a cage and he like actually makes it to such a great sequence. He makes it to like he finds the tiny lock and the tiny key and he <laughs> frees it. And then he like passes out because he's been attacked by a billion birds. Um, and he but he wakes up Aww, and they're nice. back in the inn. It's so nice. And Fail is like, oh, my God, my poor blacksmith. Like you're so you're bleeding. And he's like, oh, my falcon. I know. Like, I was ah! like, oh, okay, okay, my, my heart, heart. My heart. My heart. Oh. <laughs> so good. Uh, and then back to Rand. And Rand is like in a different version of, of the Heart of Stone. And like, we're So fine. this is, do you think he's in the dream world or like a parallel universe? I don't here? know. I was going to say, I think parallel universe. Yeah. Um, I think that. We're getting those threads again of the idea of parallel universes, which fell away a little bit, but should come back. And so, of course, like, Balzamon would run through whatever worlds he can, but I don't, I don't think it's Teleranriod. I, I kind of disagree. I actually think it is just because of the way that, like, some of the atmosphere manipulation mm-hmm. is happening Fair. like you know he turns the all the Balzaman turns all the air to water and then Rand has to turn it back and like there's Murdral and Trollocs coming out of nowhere which doesn't necessarily feel to me like no, oh he fair. randomly picks a parallel universe I don't know I'm, I'm not convinced 100% either that it's like the same kind of rules as what we've seen Egwene and Perrin do but it feels closer to to that to me um and it also reminded me a little bit of the sword in the stone duel between um Merlin yes. and no uh, I agree Mad Madam Mim like where they're like turning into like different things 100 like, percent yes I was like oh this is amazing <laughs> I did like the there were some good moments though in this in all the like chaos that's happening yeah. is you know when he's like holding Kalindor and he's like he could do anything with this yeah. sword right and like you said like going back and forth between the various like um states of being whether it's like we'll make it air but the, it's all instinct like he doesn't know yeah. he's doing it he's just doing it 
which is yeah. very much like similar to Egwene, which I like a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then Balzaman is like screaming, like, I will not be undone, etc. <laughs> and of course, again, he's like, you can't defeat the great Lord of the Dark. And Rand... <laughs> Rand just like stabs him in the chest with Kalindor, which is pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then again, I I did like this, but we get another moment again where he's like, "I did it! I killed Balzamon." <laughs> yeah. But I won the last battle, and you're like, "Oh, buddy, not there's yet. so many books left." Oh, like, I hate to not... tell you. I know, but they're back in like he's back in the physical yeah. realm, and there's a body this time, which yes. has this is the first time this has happened. Um, and his eyes are like and mouth are pits of fire, and he's like lying there on the floor dead. Um, and so he declares, he's like, "I, I am the Dragon Reborn. I'm Randall Thor," and everybody's like, "Ah, the dragon!" And like, whoa, it's really intense. It's like a really it's, intense it's, moment. It's very intense. There's just like I feel like this whole thing is just like heart racing. Like everything yes. that happens right yes um and then you have all these people in tear who like know that the dragon has come and because he's the the banner is flying from the top of the tower uh and they're all saying like althor the dragon althor and then this whole last sequence is from matt's perspective yes <laughs> which i was like what a such what a, a choice right? what, a what a choice what a brave choice <laughs> to choose Matt who hates everything about this. Yes. He's like, I guess maybe Rand is the I don't know. I mean, I guess he is. But we've fast forwarded. He has already had time to chat with the aisle. He's had time to like ask them to <laughs> dance. Yeah. And they're like, uh, buddy. <laughs> and they're like teasing him a little bit. Avienda already hates him. <laughs> And Moiraine is okay. She's she's sitting with um, Egwene, Nenave, and Elaine. And I, like, this is again where you have, like, a moment where, like, Moiraine's like, parents probably fine. Who? What? Right. With right. his companion. And everyone's like, what? What companion? And it doesn't matter. <laughs> right. And they're, like, having this, like, high convert, like, high-level conversation, like, where um, she she pulls out another seal mm-hmm. but it's not broken mm-hmm. right so this is the third one it's the third or, or the fourth, fourth one it's third fourth. i think it's the third yeah so yeah twice before ran face balzamon yes. and both times at least one of the seals was present and this is the first time the seal is unbroken yeah and it's like for the first time the seal is unbroken as if that mattered and Moiraine's like oh it matters yeah (laughs) oh it matters and then (laughs) Matt is like hey hey guys (laughs) no one's telling me anything (laughs) (laughs) it's so good I know and then Moiraine's like okay fine like what do you want to know and Matt's kind of like I just, the prophecies are happening. So, like, is it over? <laughs> right, right. And he's like, and specifically, he wants to know about this people of the dragon. He's like, am I a people of the dragon? Yes. Like, who the hell is a people of the dragon? And Moiraine's like, I don't know. And Ruark, who is the Aeol chieftain who's there, is like, um, so about that whole people of the dragon thing. <laughs> uh, 
when we go to this like special place and become a you know a clan chief like we get these tattoos and like oh it's a it's a dragon so we kind of are the people of the dragon just saying everyone's like ah oh. and so like at the end of that he's like oh so it's really done then like right. we're done so we can just leave Queen's yeah. <laughs> like, um, no, the Forsaken are around, and he's like, and the Black Aja, yeah. <laughs> and they're both like, all three of them, of course, are like furious. Like, we're gonna mm-hmm. take these women down, and that's like, yeah, yeah, definitely, totally. Right. You're right, one hundred percent. But like, Shaitan's dead. <laughs> Yeah, and Moraine is like, shut up. He is not dead. Like, do you want to get his attention? And that's like, there was a body. It's like, it's obviously not. And this was so satisfying, right? Because I've had this theory this whole time that Balzamon mm. is not the same yes. as a dark one. And I was like, ta-da, here it is. Um, and Moraine is like, because well, Matt's like, no, I know who Balzamon is. He was in my dreams. Like, I know. And she's like, yeah, you know, Baalzaman, not the same thing as the Dark One. And then there's this great moment where they figure out that it's Ishmael, mm-hmm. probably, which I thought was super interesting. Yeah, totally. Because, like, you're, we've been, like, waiting for the, like, Ishmael is, like, a specter that's been kind of yeah hanging out over it. Because it's, like, Ishmael and Leandrin are so powerful, right? Mm. Um, and speaking of Leandrin. Lanfear, you mean? Of, Lanfear. Uh, Leandrin. Uh, yeah, Lanfear, sorry. Speaking of Lanfear, this woman comes in and is like, someone give me, she's like the mean girl. She's like, someone she give me a note. <laughs> like, someone made me bring this note to you. And like, I don't know why, but mm, whatever. And she like throws it on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> and she's just like, anyways, I'm Berylaine. I'm the first of my in. If you talk to Rand, tell him we're going to have dinner. But like, <laughs> here's this note from somebody who is impressive. Bye. It's very Alexis Rose energy. Very, very Alexis Rose. <laughs> uh, and then the note is like, Luz Theron was mine. He is mine and he will be mine forever. I give him into your charge to keep him for me until I come. And it's signed Lanfear. <laughs> and she's like, and you thought this was done, Matt? <laughs> <laughs> I know. And I love he's like, oh, God, I guess Ugh. like maybe maybe we can get out of this. And he's like, but no, totally. You can count on me. In the meantime, he's like, I wonder when Tom will be ready to travel. I know. It's just such a funny ending because you don't even we don't even see Rand. No, no. Right? We have no idea what's going on with Rand. Oh, I wonder. And, and so, OK, so that's the end of The Dragon Reborn. <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's the whole book. Who did not feature quite heavily in The Dragon no. Reborn. <laughs> and, like, I don't know what's coming. Like, I don't know what's going to happen in the next book, which is The Shadow Rising. Yeah. I am going to guess right okay. now that this is when we go into the wasted lands and get more yeah. of the Aiel focused yes. stuff. That's that's my guess right now because they I remember so clearly there's so much stuff that happens in the wasted lands with like the girls and with Rand and um and with Moiraine. Like there's a ton of stuff that happens. So that's my guess. Ah, is this is Matt gonna get his hat? <gasps> I think he might. I think he's going to get his hat. 
Yeah, I think he might. So that's that's what I think. I could be very wrong, but that's my prediction. Oh my gosh. His his hat and his scarf. Yeah. I think that's gonna yeah. happen in the next book. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm so, so excited. <laughs> keep an eye out for our future episodes where we discover if we are right about what's gonna happen next. We'll be talking about chapters one through eight of the Shadow Rising. Uh episodes come out every other Wednesday, and you can follow along with our in-between conversations, uh, such as they are, by searching for the hashtag Tarvalin or Bust on social media. And thank you to our Patreon supporters, Sam S., David U., Amy R., Meridim, Mimi K., Amanda, oh, I lost my place, oh, Mark D., Heather J., <laughs> Christina M., Malia H., Keith Sirish G., Olivia K., Joshua S., Nicholas E., Michelle S., Michelle D., Danae, Destination Toast, Kat S., Jericho W., Saber Bouquet, Thomas K., Elizabeth F., Emily, Evans K., Ola J, Yulia S, and Brian D. And you can hang out with us over on Patreon at patreon.com slash or bust. Also, a big thank you to Brian Dunn, our fellow Wheel of Time fan and musician who created the amazing intro and outro tracks for this podcast. You can find more of his work at briandunnmusic.net. That's Brian with a Y and Dunn with two N's. If you're enjoying the show, please do leave a review and or rating on the podcast platform of your choice. It helps other people find the show and we really appreciate it. And obviously, we always want more people to talk to about Wheel of Time. Yes, obviously. Uh, let's see. In between stuff, you can find us on social media. I am on Twitter and Tumblr as Jen IRL, Jen with two N's IRL, and I'm on Instagram as I am Jen IRL. And and Swordstone Table, the anthology of King Arthur retellings that Preeti has an amazing story in that is edited by me and our good friend Swatma Krishna is out in the world now. You can read it. You can buy it. It's and very exciting. It was written up in the New York Times. And it was in the New York Times. Oh my god, I'm never gonna get over it, Preeti. No, it's very exciting. It was in the New York Super Times, exciting. and they had nice things to say. They said nice things about it. Like I can't even. It was a rave review because listen, y'all, these stories are so good, so good, including <laughs> Preeti's amazing story. Thank you. <laughs> we will we will link uh to we'll link to the Times. Let's yeah, let's link to the Times. To the times. Um, you can find me on basically everything, Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, TikTok, et cetera, at Run With Skizzers. That's S-K-I-Z-Z-E-R-S. Um, and you can pre, if you're a comics reader, uh, please ask your local comic book store to get Truth and Justice number seven, which is a Zatanna one-shot I wrote and is coming out August 17th. Um, I don't have it on my site, so I will link to Midtown Comics because they're awesome. Uh, and yeah, I guess that's really it. You're so fancy. You're writing <laughs> Spider-Man and Zatanna well, and know. just King Arthur. You write all the good people. <laughs> all your favorite characters. That's right. Preeti writes them. All right. Well, this episode is not the ending. There are neither beginnings nor endings to the Wheel of Time, but it is an ending. Bye. <laughs> Bye.